Hello all, and by all there is a very good chance that I mean just myself. Um, this is the first episode of something that I've been thinking, uh, talking about doing for a while, and here now I'm actually going to do it, and that is starting my own podcast uh, called Court is in Session. Um, it is kind of just going to be the place that I go to discuss politics of the time, the economy at the time, the law at the time, or wherever my curiosity takes me. It's kind of a way for me personally, my own kind of therapy, I guess, for me to be able to um, say what's on my mind and kind of a long form and um, I guess get my thoughts together. And if anybody cares to listen to them, they are certainly out for the world to hear. Um Probably my next episode will be kind of my background, where I'm coming from, um, my general worldview as of right now, which I expect to change in the coming times that I do this as I learn more and I read more and I listen to more people. But um, this is uh, where I'm at right now. But I wanted to take this episode um, to kind of reflect on the big thing that's happening today. And that's the inauguration of our 46th president, uh, and 49th vice president, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So that being said, I kind of want to start off with kind of a reflection on the outgoing administration and where that leaves us now as a country. Um, Say what you will about Donald Trump, um, whether you like him or hate him. I think personally that the history books are going to remember Donald Trump much the same way that they remembered Richard Nixon. Um, nobody is going to remember much of the foreign policy wins that Donald Trump had, um, specifically those of Jared Kushner, who I think... Um, personally, will go down as one of the most under-recognized um, makers for world peace um, pretty much ever in the way that he was able to um, broker a lot of amazing peace deals in the Middle East. And, um, you know, as much as you may hate him and think he's just a rich douchebag, you can't help but realize that he did some just absolutely incredible things from the Middle East. And I, I don't think he's going to remem be remembered for that as uh, perhaps he should. Um, but say what you will about his foreign policy wins, his economic wins, um, his regulatory wins, which I think were um, great and perhaps one of the highlights of the Trump administration. I think Trump is going to be remembered um, by the Capitol riots, domestic terrorism, whatever you want to call it, um, that happened not too long ago. Um, and this was just kind of an instance where the people that brought Donald Trump to power were the same people that were responsible for his downfall. Um, I think you watch the speech that he gave and you look at the tweets that he tweeted. And I don't think that he was trying to incite the violence that happened. I think what happened was he um, was upset about what he believed was this mass election fraud, which I think there was evidence for election fraud, maybe or maybe not enough to sway the election. But I think 
there was certain um, there was definitely some improprieties in the electoral process that he was pointing out. Um, that being said, um, I think that he was angry about them and he spouted some rhetoric that caused people to get angry and his base got away from him. And as Trump does, he didn't do enough to walk it back. And certainly anything that he was going to do to walk it back, the mainstream media um, was hesitant to give him the credit that maybe he deserved or was uh, trying to get. That being said, I think Donald Trump's problem and the thing that offended me the most personally towards the end um, when it came to his disputes of the electoral victory um, is the fact that he did not concede after the Electoral College victory. And I think this showed either a blatant disrespect for the institutions of the United States, which is very much a possibility, or a misunderstanding of the institutions of the United States, which is equally possible. Um, we here in the United States, and I think this is um, very misunderstood by the people that vote, um, and especially it seemed the Trump camp, we don't elect the president of the United States. The Electoral College does. The Electoral College was designed to um, be a group of people that came together and um, they themselves elected the president. As history moved on, it went away from, from uh, states telling the electors how to vote or from other processes to um, popular votes, popular elections within the states. The members of those states that are electorates then um, are meant to look at the electoral um, or the results of the election. They say to themselves, well, um, I think that there was not a lot of impropriety here. I think these elections were solid. And I'm going to vote the way that my state wanted me to vote. And I think that Donald Trump didn't respect this the way that he should. And he thought, well, I believe that I had more votes in these states. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what he thought. What mattered was how the Electoral College voted. And he had all the opportunity in the world before the Electoral College voted to get his case together, to get good lawyers together. He did neither of these things. And his lawyers weren't able to put together a good case, either because of incompetence or because the case wasn't there. But at the end of the day, he had no case and was unable to win the Electoral College vote. That, in my opinion, is where Trump should have stopped and should have started his orderly transition. But as he is wont to do, he um, was kind of a crybaby. He was a sore loser. And I think when you keep poking the bear of a base that is, you know, by definition, kind of angry and distrustful of the establishment itself, um, that is what you're going to come up with. And I'm not saying that every member of the Trump base is irrational. I consider myself part of the Trump base, having campaigned for him relatively extensively both times. Um, but I think, you know, enough was enough. And he showed a... Um, a disrespect for the constitutional process. And I think that's what led to um, the events of the of a, of a few weeks ago. Or however long it was ago, it seems like it's been such a long time, but I guess it's been, it has to have been less than three weeks because it was in 2021. And 2021 
has pro- been proving itself to be just as ridiculous and, and insane as 2020. So coming to um, our incoming president, um, first off, Mr. President, in the one in 857 billion chance that you happen to listen to this, I do want to offer you and Vice President Harris the most sincere congratulations on your electoral victory. Um, you know, maybe a lot of people in my circles won't be saying this, but you are my president and I'll respect you. And on the, along that same vein, I will certainly do everything in my power as a libertarian to limit uh, your influence over my and my fellow Americans' life. Um, I'm not going to be talking about his policy too terribly much. Um, I'll definitely get to that in subsequent podcast episodes. But I, I will say that as far as Democrats go, uh, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen a um, four more years of, of President Trump um, despite all of his flaws. But as far as uh, Democrats go, I think we dodged um, a few bullets that were on that stage before. And um, obviously, Vice President Harris is is relatively radical in her beliefs. And um, I know there is definitely talk of her wanting to invoke the 25th Amendment um, or rumors that she wants to invoke the 25th Amendment somewhere along the road. Um, but I am eternally an optimist. And I like to think that uh, President Biden will be in office for the entirety of his four years and that perhaps a President Rand Paul will take his place and the states will have all their freedoms back and uh, they'll just be a good and happy society. Um, that is perhaps a rather optimistic view of what's going to happen. But um, I say all that just to say right now our president is Joe Biden. Um, Joe Biden is not the most radical person in the world. Um, they they definitely come a lot worse. Um, so I don't quite think that our republic is dead yet. Um, and I think President Trump also had his flaws, as I had said before. Um, I don't think he respected the Constitution um, to the extent that I would have liked him to. Um, he didn't respect American institutions to the point that I would like them to. Again, I voted for President Trump. I think he would have done a better job in his second four years than Joe Biden will in his uh, first four. Um, but we're not at the end of the world. Um, for the remainder of this, what seems like it's going to be an incredibly short podcast, I want to talk about um, President Biden's inaugural address. Um which is going to be touted as this, I suppose, unifying message. And um, I think that's kind of what he wanted. But one thing that I found um, while listening to it was that he didn't address the Donald Trump of it all. He tried sidestepping it. He talked about the Capitol riots, um, but he did not address President Trump by name at all. And... I guess the first thing that somebody would say to somebody like me who's bringing this up is, well, no, of course he didn't. President Trump wasn't there. President Trump was being a baby. But I would like, I would have liked it if Joe Biden had shown himself to be the bigger person in the room and that he had addressed Donald Trump, that he had thanked him um, for his service, tried to come up with something that Donald Trump had done that he thought was good. Um, be it steps toward prison reform, 
um, be it peace in the Middle East, um, be it the strong economy that we had pre-COVID, be it Operation Warp Speed, um, which I think I've heard even people on the left say that that was handled um, rather well under the Trump administration. Um, but it, that being said, it would have been really good to have hear um, President Biden um, address something that he respected uh, the former president for. And I think it's hard to say that your inaugural address was this strong, unifying moment when you don't even address um, a person that 75 million Americans thought should be the next president. Um, so I think that was a um, bad move on the vice president or on the president now. I keep thinking of him as Vice President Joe Biden. Um, that being said, I'm sure that that was rather intentional. Um, obviously, he has condemned in the strongest possible terms the Capitol riots. Um, there was no question that his uh, feelings towards President Trump were not the, uh, you know, the warmest. But I think that it would have been smart um, for the sake of unifying the country, if he had mentioned the president. Other than that, the inaugural address seemed pretty, I don't know, run-of-the-mill. I think it was said well. I think that it was, you know, a good inaugural address, if not kind of. We're talking about the troops, and we're talking about unification, and, you know, we're talking about the economy and, and things like that, that are kind of stereotypical in inaugural addresses. He didn't say anything that I was, that I thought was especially inflammatory or, or especially beautiful. That was just kind of my one thing that I noticed from, from listening to that was his lack of mention of Donald Trump. Um, that being said, I think now he's, just down the road from me and he's over at um, Arlington Cemetery. But one thing that um, he did that the Biden administration has done right off the bat that um, I got to say wasn't my favorite thing ever was that um, I'm sure y'all have heard that in his Twitter account that he changed the um, name of the office from the U.S. ambassador to Israel to the U.S. ambassador to Israel, the West Bank and Gaza. Um, which kind of implicitly states that the West Bank and Gaza are not part of Israel. So I think that in and of itself, very first thing that he's done um, as president or that as, as administration has done as president, um, I'm sure he had something to do with that, is that it um, no longer recognizes Gaza and the West Bank um, as part of Israel in the same way that the Trump administration does did. Um, and I got to say, as, as a very first move as president, that is something that saddens me as someone whose uh, main political focus uh, throughout his undergrad was um, advocacy for the state of Israel. Um, and I'm sure I'll get to that later in an episode where um, probably the next episode where I just kind of talk about my my general philosophy and, and where I come from and, and my beliefs for um you know, just kind of as a building block uh, for more episodes. But um, I think that the state of Israel is um, one of the most stable, the, is the most stable democracy in the Middle East. 
that it has the best human rights record of any country in the Middle East, and that on the um, it, it, Israel isn't perfect by any means, but I think that um, they are certainly worth um, throwing support behind. And I don't think that this change in the name uh, represents that um, the Biden administration will have zero support for the state of Israel, that they're going to you know, actively take the side of Palestine or, or any other Middle Eastern country that has um, you know, strong issues with Israel or wants to see them wiped off the map. But I think that it definitely shows a step back from the rather strong and um, the, yeah, the, the strong and unequivocal support that Donald Trump had for the state of Israel. And that's something that I'm saddened to see. But other than that, um, as of right now, there have been no huge policy shifts or executive order sign. Um, so as he asked for in his inaugural address, he asked that we give him a chance. And maybe people won't believe me um, because of my um, right-leaning views, but I genuinely uh, and sincerely will give Joe Biden a chance. Um, to run this country in a good direction. Um, I think every president since, I don't know, a long time ago has uh, claimed a lot more power than they deserve. I think that the federal government has, has expanded past the point that I would like. So to you know, look at somebody who's only marginal better than President Trump and completely write him off entirely and to look at somebody or I'm sorry, marginally worse than Trump and to write him off entirely and to look at Trump as, you know, the God Emperor of the United States, I think is wrong and is something that I won't be doing. So I will give Joe Biden a chance. Um, I am 100 percent certain that I will disagree on almost everything that he says. But you know what? I disagree with a lot of stuff that Donald Trump did, too. And, um, you know, I will give him an opportunity to to do a good job. So with that, I am going to end the inaugural podcast of Court is in Session. Um, surely at some point I will have some music or something like that. Um, and hopefully I get better at this whole talking thing and I'm able to do things more interesting. Um, but again, I think this podcast is more for me, um, and less for any kind of audience or fame that I may achieve from it. It's just kind of a way for me to share my thoughts in a long form. And if I happen to get some listeners of it, great. Um, my guess is that I probably won't, but, um, you know, I think as of right now, I'm going to do them. I don't know, as often as I can, or whenever I feel like saying something, probably, around the every other week area. And yeah, if uh, you are starting this journey with me, then um, I hope that it's exciting and that I pique your interest on some things. Maybe I'll get to a point where I have guests on the show. I really don't know. But um, like I said, this is absolutely in its infant stages. It's something I've been thinking about doing. And um, it's just kind of a way for, for me to share my thoughts, which tend to not really agree with anybody. So. We'll uh, see what happens with this.